Guys, customer service is essential to your business success. And for faster, smarter customer experience, you can turbocharge your CX results with CX1, the world's most complete customer experience platform from NICE. It's never been easier for organizations of all sizes around the globe to create extraordinary customer experiences. With the scalability and flexibility of the cloud, you can power up your business goals like never before. So don't get left behind. Find out more today at nice.com. That's nice.com. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Hi, it's Jack O'Brien for HealthAid Kombucha. Uh, This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching. Uh, great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors. Pink Lady Apple, your passion fruit tangerine, uh, ginger lemon is one of my favorites. It's organic, a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. You guys know I'm a big soda fan. Well, what if I told you there was a fizzy drink that instead of making you feel like you were drinking chemicals, it made your tummy feel good? That is Health Aid Kombucha. Look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Makes my dang tum-tum feel good. So make HealthAid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 259, episode 4 of Jardaily's Eichgeist, a ah! production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it is, of course, Thursday, October 20th, 2022. My name's Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Potatoes O'Brien, a.k.a. Bad on Potatoes O'Brien, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! Well, before I get to my AKA, my good man, I might let the people know what today is. October oh, shit, I 20th. About the it's okay. You know, it's a it's a busy day. It's National Youth Confidence Day, National Chicken and Waffles Day, National Get Smart About Credit Day, but that's probably for the banks to let you know. But anyway, shout out to Chicken and Waffles and Youth Confidence. Youth Confidence. Oh, also Brandied Fruit Day. That's fucking cool. Brandied fruit? Mm. Is that even a thing? That's like from the Victorian era. Yeah, no, we're not. I'm not really interested in that. But yes, my name is Miles Gray, a.k.a. K Crotch Laser Tag K Crotch Laser Tag K Crotch with Harrison Ford. Uh, shout out at So Trash S E A U X Trash. You know, because look, I was out here with K Crotch and met Harrison Ford, and it was a whole thing. So thank you for creating an AK to commemorate that. He gave you the literal sunglass tilt of eighties movies. Yeah, yeah. Like this nerd. He's like, is this that Laser Zone place? But it was probably anyway. a practical sunglass tilt in the sense that he was coming in 
from outside from the street into a dark room where some kid was furiously doing something to his crotch area and so he probably was like i was getting icing off yeah from a costco sheet cake anyways miles Mm -hmm. we're thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the best-selling author of books like john dies at the end Zoe Punches the Future in the Dick, and the newly released fourth book in the John Dies at the End franchise, If This Book Exists, You're in the Wrong Universe. He's my former co-worker at Crack.com, co-creator of the Crack podcast. Welcome back to the show, Jason Pargin! So once again, we did not have a horrible tragedy break out right before I was about to come on, which is something that I never want to happen on a show where I'm going to be promoting my book because it, it should <laughs> right. be on like the the day after a, a clear national tragedy or some sort of a, a terrible right. event that we've been forced to spend the entire episode talking about. Yeah. And then at the very end of it, having to say, well, and also if in this trying time, <laughs> if you want to be distracted with, uh, right. you know, a piece of, of like humorous cosmic horror. Yeah. I have written a novel that will, but again, you don't, please don't feel pressured. Like on this is a day of mourning. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to think of like the worst day to have come on to promote a book that is a like humor, cosmic horror novel. Like we, we, we recorded through January 6th, like January 6th was happening on our TVs as we were recording. That was pretty, yeah. that would have been pretty distracting, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a little bit tough, for sure. Yeah. At least there, there's the, there was the element of the ridiculous, like the guy in like the buffalo horns and stuff like that. Like right. it was obviously horrible, but also there was still plenty that people were making fun of. So it would have to be some truly like another, yeah. I don't know, a, a, a mass shooting involving a school or something. So, but, right, but right, it right. does not look like, uh, now not to jinx it. Right. Nope. But, uh, yeah, this doesn't does... come out until tomorrow. So this episode might just be completely unusable. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah. look, I mean, That's the Lakers and the Sixers were robbed, uh, recently. Oh my so God. that was, that was a tragedy, but we'll get yeah. into that. In the, we're all coping podcast. with that. It is the day after the NBA season. So for at least half of NBA fans, you know, but anyways, it's good that you at least, evoked brought into existence via just you know speculation a horrible tragedy so that's that's at least good (laughs) how are you doing jason it's been a while uh it's fine um i become a tiktok influencer Mm, i've noticed because yeah i realized a couple months ago around in august that i had to be on there because the audiences elsewhere were just dying off Mm-hmm. And um, and it's it's age. so hard to watch that happen to Facebook too to see like you know their <laughs> their engagement right? fall and that the stock price is fall. Facebook, yeah, they yeah. they've done so much for us. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so that's I could spend the entire show talking about that because it is TikTok is unique in that there's no like you can't hire somebody to run a TikTok for you right. unless you do like a face off situation because it's got to be your face, your voice. It's not you're not posting just. You know, like some comedians get a Twitter where all it is is some some bot posting the tour dates, stuff like that. Right, right. Well, TikTok, it, they don't show it to anybody unless it's your face, your voice. It is the entire point of the app. It's not for uploading funny clips. It's not for anything else. It is your face and your voice. So suddenly, after spending much of my career, like not even want, wanting people to see me and then not wanting people to hear me, and then like <laughs> joining your podcast, like, well, that's fine. It's just my voice. Now it's like, no. 
Yeah. You are judged based on how you look that day. Your your physical attractiveness yeah. will will to some degree play into how your future books sell. Right. <laughs> it's a great world that your, uh, has your been personal charisma. Us. Yeah. You didn't have any fun with it, like try like a mask or like a mustache. So at least you're physically present and it is your voice, but you've obscured your sort of appearance. If that is a thing people can do, I guess that is I could have done that. I, I, that like I wonder, yeah, like it's like Jason with the Jason mask or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, yo, this Jason's actually really insightful. <laughs> um, and then that way I could I could, in fact, just hire some intern to put on the mask right. and post for me. There you go. And then but, you just got an uh, audio track. I'm just boom. telling you. <laughs> All right, Jason, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about today. The Democrats have been told not to talk about the economy. The Republicans are talking about the economy. We'll, we'll talk about how that is looking for the midterms. Anyways, uh, all of that, plenty more. But first, Jason, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? Kanye name change. Okay. Because mm. I did, I, this is, you probably think I only did your podcast in the course of promoting the book this week. I actually <laughs> did several. Yeah. Oh. And the last one, which I'm not going to say the name of it because it's another news show. And I know that you have a better rivalry with all other, yeah. like daily or weekly headline shows. Yeah. We don't even acknowledge their existence. There's no we're such gonna, thing as other news shows. Please. We're going to cut this out, actually. Yeah. Justin, just. But no, we well no, we don't need to say we don't need to say what show it was. But okay. and on the show, like <laughs> Cody and, and his co-host were they oh they kept referring to Kanye as Yay. And I thought yeah. they were being informal, like you know, like preferring to kill Neil's just Shaq. And I thought right. they were just doing it. And then finally realized, oh no, he legally had his name changed. Yeah. And I probably came off like a dick because I called him Kanye during the whole thing. But no, it's legally yay. And and yeah. so but you know what? It's kind of like when like Mark Zuckerberg ch changed the name of Facebook to Meta. Like not right. everybody's respecting it. It's like, OK, fine, you're Meta, but like you're still Kanye. Like, cool. Yay. But to some of I was I, it's it's hard for me to like like you're saying be like, well, he did change his name to yay. Like Puff Daddy did this a ton of times. I kept calling him Puff Daddy. Didn't call him right. Diddy. Didn't call him P Diddy, Puff or whatever. So I don't I know. Switched I switched to when, Diddy because it was easier to say. Yay yeah. is just confusing it's a it's hard for me to kind of it's hard it straight so i'll just I, I just stick with kanye i'm not trying to boast about my ignorance here i don't know puff daddy's current correct legal name i think he's just diddy at the moment that was his first Wait. one that was no first was p diddy then it was he he realized that the news would report if he made like slight alterations because yeah because i think then he went like from p diddy to just diddy and yeah or like new name change because first he was sean puffy combs then he was sean puff puffy daddy combs? and then he became p diddy then his solo album came out. He had that one track produced by the Neptunes. We said the D, the I, the D, the D, the Y, the D, the I, the D is Diddy. And now I think all his handles are at Diddy now. But mm. you're Sean Puffy Combs. That actually spells Diddy did, I believe. Yeah. So look, I was always confused by that. They, he, it's not a, it's not a palindrome as he realized. <laughs> He's like, what if I? Nah, forget it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, the name change. Do we think? Uh, this, as we were mentioning, that Facebook tried a name change to Meta. 
Do, they, do we think they were inspired by Meta World Peace, which was one of the more successful name changes, I feel like, one that everybody <laughs> was on board with? <laughs> do we think they're like, that? that's so what Mark, that's Mark Zuckerberg's like, cool. <laughs> I want people to know that Facebook went to therapy and got yeah. it together. We are now Meta. Yeah. Like Meta World Peace. We're not Ron Artest anymore. Yeah. I think it's just. It's them. Remember, because he's just trying to do the metaverse and every article. We haven't really reported about it, but like every report is like, we're losing users. Only five people use this. People are getting sick motion sickness from VR headsets. Jason Pargin has started a TikTok account. We're fucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's something you think is overrated, Jason? I'm not reporting this as news. That's why we have it here and not in the news section. But apparently Airbnb among their these people talk they have facebook groups they are active on tiktok and somehow i have wound up in airbnb tiktok for some reason and apparently bookings have collapsed so i've got a, in our notes here i post in a doc but this is just people eavesdropping on all of these groups and apparently airbnb owners everywhere are saying the same thing that they that bookings are way 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 down which Ooh. If you don't understand why some people are getting some like glee from that, <laughs> Airbnb, like this has screwed up the real estate market in a very terrible way because people would snatch up these properties and then turn them, flip them into Airbnbs. Yeah. And it is a business model that should never have been a thing in the form that it is right now. The hotels are better in a lot of ways, and the way they'll do a thing where they lift, list it for $260 a night, but by the time they've tacked on their cleaning fees and everything else, it's $600 a night. Everybody's mad at Airbnb. So hearing that these people who, especially during like the stimulus period, were taking their money and rolling it into investment properties for Airbnbs, these people kind of, if if this is true kind of having to eat their words on this. It's kind of similar to when the whole NFT market collapsed, when right. a lot of we really didn't feel too bad for these. Like, I get it. It's right. real people losing real money. But, but also, yeah, it's you're, you're, you're preventing r real affordable options for people to live in when you're just hoarding all the, the inventory to be like, you know what? If I put a couple of fake Banksies on the wall, I can charge 700 a night. Yeah. It's also just what? Similar to Facebook and all the failing tech businesses that we're talking about, another example where like they were just like, what, what if we just completely removed the oversight from right. any any of the communication, any of the journalism, any of any of the th the technologies that have existed before, such as hotels and motels? What if we j were just like, yeah, no, like that? That's just like up to everybody now to to determine right. and like tell the truth and not be racist and that has that has not turned out well for a lot of people to the point that we we talked recently that airbnb horror movies are kind of like the new the new Venue rage yeah. yeah which kind of makes sense so let me ask you this jack is yeah. i'm gonna ask your opinion so uber and airbnb both in their early, early stages, allegedly were only intended to be this almost what they called back when they called it the sharing economy, almost this hippies idea of if you're in your car, it's like, hey, I got to drive to the airport. Anybody else need to go to the airport this afternoon? Right. Pay me a few bucks in this. And all this app does is arrange that. And then Airbnb, same thing, where it's like, hey, we've got a spare bedroom. If you're in, you know, New York, 
you know, for, for whatever, $240 a night, you can stay in our bedroom instead of a hotel. Like this very like friendly share and share like it's going outside the economy. It's outside of capitalism. It's just an app that organizes this transaction between two people that obviously since then, they've both become freaking $100 billion venture right. capital monsters because what you actually have done is like, oh, you've actually tried to make cabs obsolete by eliminating yeah. all regulation oversight. You've tried to make hotels obsolete by eliminating all the overhead costs. Do you think when they first came up with these ideas that it's true that they only thought, oh, it'll be a fun thing just for individuals? Or do you think they secretly thought, no, this is a way to circumvent? Yeah, I, I don't know. Because that there is something exciting about both of those ideas. I could see those getting off the ground a little bit. And, and you know, I could see myself getting excited about the idea of like, yeah, what if we all just like shared stuff? And, you know, you had, it was like basically a replacement for hitchhiking, except you had a technological record of like the car you were getting into. So it was safer and you weren't going to be murdered or like completely disappeared from, from the planet. And, and then it really does seem like the trillion dollar valuation is where you like where you run into trouble because that's when you have to just start enforcing like no 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 you, we we cover this up like anything bad that happens here we cover it up we have massive hordes of lawyers who are are in charge of covering it up whereas you know like there's Craigslist is you know has had its you know, bumps, but like it's one that just kind of stayed the same as like, we're going to replace this very specific, not profitable, like older piece of technology of like the back of the newspaper where people would advertise like, come, come get my mattress if you if you're in the market for a mattress. And I that that feels like it's at least managed to be like not overtly evil. You know, and so may, maybe there is a different path, but I, it it almost feels like academic to ask the question of like what what their intentions were at that at that original point. Because well, you, I think you can just look at the evolution of all these things that brand themselves as disruptors to a given right. industry, and it seems like there's probably the vision of like someone who's like, "Yo, what if we we offered a different vision?" But I'm sure once like you get into the VC world and you're you're relying on like venture capital to like actually make your expand your business they're like hold on yeah we can disrupt the fuck out of the hotel industry and it's more like yeah maybe this can go in that direction but it's hard to, like i mean yeah it's it seems like they constantly evolve in that same direction so it's hard to know if that was always the intent or just what happens when inherently you kind of especially with airbnb you see a lot that people just got they're like oh man i can do some like like part-time landlording stuff and see how that goes and you see how much the prices have just gone up and up and up and up to the point where like I've seen like in that article that you were sharing, Jason, like a lot of people talking about Palm Desert and Palm Springs. Yeah. There's a lot of people from L.A. who would rent those houses, but the the houses themselves cost more than hotel rooms and like without the same amenities. So people are like, who the fuck do you th what are you fucking kidding with these prices? So I'm sure there's like I don't know what the middle is like if it's half the people who are the hosts kind of getting you know, in over their skis with how they're pricing stuff or, you know, if that's just sort of the nature of uh, of how these kinds of platforms move. Yeah, it's interesting. All right, let, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk midterm elections and tease of your underrated. Sorry, I don't like to do that, but. Nope.
Hi, it's Jack O'Brien. I've got to tell you guys about something new. I've been trying this year. I've been drinking Health Aid Kombucha. I'm on the booch, you guys. Uh, if you're not familiar, it's a fermented, bubbly probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice. It's super thirst quenching, a little sweet, a little tangy, very refreshing. Uh, comes in delish flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, Ginger Lemon is a personal fave. Uh, you guys know I'm a big soda fan. Well, what if I told you there was a fizzy drink alternative to soda that instead of uh, making you feel like you were drinking chemicals, uh, it was thirst quenching and made your tummy feel good. Since they sent me a box of Health Aid Kombucha, I've been drinking far fewer unhealthy soda pop and far more Health Aid Kombucha, and they make my tummy feel all warm and good, cold in my mouth. Warming the tum-tum is not their slogan yet. Uh, you can have it, Health Aid. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. This episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, You'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. The future of customer experience is here, and it's faster and better than ever before. It's time to introduce your business or organization to Nice CX-1, the world's most complete customer experience cloud platform. CX-1 is the ultimate all-in-one solution to turbocharge your CX results so you can say goodbye to long wait times and frustrated customers. With CX-1, you can achieve faster customer resolutions with every interaction, all thanks to the power of one complete cloud platform. It's now easier than ever for organizations of all sizes around the globe to create extraordinary customer experiences, all while hitting those key business metrics. Whether you're a startup or an established enterprise, Nice CX-1 has everything you need to engage customers, deliver smart self-service, and optimize agent-assisted service. When you choose Nice, you get unlimited cloud scalability and flexibility. So visit nice.com today and take your customers and business into the future. That's nice.com. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zikazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kid-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. 
Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. And we're back. And Jason, what is something that you think is underrated? The importance of midterm elections. What? Apparently. <laughs> and this is something like I think a piece of history that has gotten lost, which is that the 2014 midterms after Obama won his second term, that's where Mitch McConnell and this Republican Senate became a thing because they won a bunch of seats in those midterms. And everything that's happened since including losing abortion rights, that happened because of 2014, because the moment McConnell gains control of the Senate and makes the world-changing rule that a Republican Senate will only approve Supreme Court justices from a Republican president. Like, they will not even hold a vote from, like, that's now the rule from now on. There will not be a vote from any Democratic Supreme Court justice as long as the Republicans hold the Senate, the McConnell rule. Like, that was one of the most consequential decisions ever. Yeah. That allowed them to obviously get an extra seat, and then that set the stage for everything that came after that. But that was, that all history pivoted on a midterm election in which 37% of registered voters turned out, because we tend to not care about the midterms, even though they are just as important as the presidential elections, and probably more so. Yeah, but we are about to run into one where I think the consequences of the Republicans gaining both houses of Congress, which is extremely possible, are monumental. And I don't get the sense that like on Twitter, among pundits, they talk about the consequences, I think, out among the regular average people. Either they're not going to vote at all or else they're voting based on abortion. That's a minority, though. And then everybody else, it's are you mad enough about high gas prices to vote? Everybody else stays home. Yeah. I mean, especially like right now, you if you want a preview of what a Republican controlled, you know, Congress looks like there are just like 30 Republicans just introduced a bill that was like a federal don't say gay bill, you know, where they're just like, you know what, if you like you will not get federal money if you have sex, if you make, quote, sexually oriented materials available to children. Wow. And yeah, like it's there. There are. I think they've messaged or made it clear to the people who are like looking at what they were saying that it's like, yeah, we're all in on this thing. Like we're not going to hold back once we're there. Like we're trying to get this thing over the finish line to ram through as much regressive legislation as possible. And also just successfully like just choke the life out of by by just putting Biden through like this is going to happen if the House swings Republican, which, you know, polling is suggesting 80 percent but like just the benghazi style like hearings and you know just non-stop attacks on on biden which are just going to be like so boring and just choke the the life out of and like the energy out of out of people's like ability to give a shit or even like take take politics seriously i feel like i don't know the Republicans must have polling that shows that that whole like they're grooming our children in the schools to become sexual deviants. They must have polling that shows people are just incredibly passionate about that in right. their key like demographics or whatever, because they hit that so hard. And it's such a inconsequential nonsense issue. It, like even if schools were 
even if their libraries contain nothing but filth, the school library is not where kids find their filth. <laughs> they, right. It would make they filth can get un- their, unpopular. Yeah. Yeah. It would, if anything, it's, it's the same thing as like the, these bitter, bitter fights about how they're teaching about slavery. It's like, you know, they're not listening, right? You, you understand that the kids are don't pay attention either way. And it's like, no, we demand the whole week teaching that actually that American exceptionalism is good. It's like, fine. They're not going <laughs> to retain any of that. It's right. school is not where that those ideas are formed. It's from their peers. It's from pop culture. It's from you know their friends and what they're watching on YouTube. But it's such a phony issue that they hit it so hard. And because a lot of these bills they introduce, they're not going to hold up in court. A lot of cases it doesn't matter. They want the headlines that they passed a bill to protect the kids from the groomers and the public school system, and it's so destructive and so weird and makes life so much harder on teachers, but they must, like I said, they must have internal polling showing that that is just such a, a just a killer. And it must be because they think it shows, it drives turnout. Yeah. Because it must really motivate well, people to come out. It's, it's like the, we got to push back on the sexual revolution thing appeals to conservative religious people, like no matter what religion you are. You know, we've seen that in Michigan where you have Christians and conservative, like, Muslim Americans who are like, we don't want this stuff in front of our kids. And suddenly you're like, wait, OK, I guess I see the overlap here where they, you know, no matter how the religiosity of people is really feeding into that sort of like pushback against anything they see as any kind of progress in terms of how we view sexuality in the country. And I think that's there was a, an article in The New Republic talking about that. Also, just like when you see like Democratic analysts go out there sometimes they're always talking about like well you know this the economic anxiety and things like that but there's also like this religious devotion dimension to a lot of it that is suddenly kind of resonating with more people to be like yeah you know what protect our kids right because i think this stuff is just beyond the pale for how i was raised or my belief system right and it's 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 like the uh, a great way to get people like outraged and angry and you know to bringing up kids is like one of the oldest things well, one of the oldest plays in like the anti-semitic playbook is like that jewish people attack children or eat children and babies and you know but yeah Ban- bannon was saying six months ago in like on on his podcast that like the the future of the fight is in like PTA meetings. He was like, I I found my first like group of exploitable, angry people in gaming forums. Like he specifically like went after like the Gamergate thing and was like that that w- was eye opening to me. And now he's going after PTA meetings. He feels like that's that's where the the future of the movement is is in in that anger. But let let's stay on on politics because. It does seem like there's a continued strategy for the Democrats not to talk about the economy. Republicans are willing to talk about the economy. And there's just like at least how it breaks down nationally. It seems like that's Republicans want to make this about the economy, but the Democrats want to make it about abortion. And that feels like not. I don't know, hiding from the economic realities of people's lives and the struggles they're going through is probably not a not a winning formula, right? No. <laughs> to be clear, the, there's no there's no Republican plan to fight inflation. 
Right. No. Oh, Other yeah, than what they're already doing, which is to raise interest rates. Like that's there's not many levers you can pull to make that go away. You still just have the issue of production is slower than demand, and that's people are fighting over goods and prices keep going up. And then once prices start going up, everyone who is selling something has an excuse to raise their prices because you can say, Oh, that's inflation. It's inflation. Yeah. Like who wouldn't tack on twenty percent if you thought you had permission from the public to do so? Right. And you know, like as you're talking, Jack, about the polling, like in the summer, it, everyone was like, wow, the Republicans really helped Democrats out by going all in on like the forced birth agenda. And it seemed like that was the thing that they were just going to let them, you know, that, like just fuel their casual strategy when despite having literal like, you know, theocratic fascists like foaming at the mouth to normalize even more cruel bullshit. It's like, you, do they understand the, the stakes? Because like you're saying, Jason, like the sad thing is the Republicans are fucking terrible about talking about the economy, like in a substantive way, because their economic agenda basically boils down to hey, fuck your life. Like there's nothing much there in terms of like, here's a lifeline. Here's an idea. What can we do? They have like nothing to address, address like income inequality. They don't pretend that wages are an issue. So they're able to just be like, it's out of control. Byron's raising the prices. Gas is out of control. It's all because of this woke stuff that he's doing, which they've kind of they're trying to meld inflation with like whether that's student loan forgiveness or stimulus checks during the pandemic. They're just really going after that. And it's really hard to watch because like there was a note that there's an article about how like Democrats were told just don't talk about the economy. And it's almost like they they don't want to acknowledge the thing that is very real and happening because they don't want to suddenly make like the headlines be like, oh, Democrats do think the inflation is a problem despite the Inflation Reduction Act that they just signed. So they're in this like really ineffective position where they're just trying to hope that something else might shift the conversation again away from the economy. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen, especially as like the polls tight. It's just so weird the way issues fade because you would think it wouldn't matter, like whether or not they held the midterms right after the abortion ruling or whether or not they they held them several months later. It's like, well, the reality is still the same. If yeah. anything, we've seen further examples of now floating a national abortion ban that they would do if they had all three branches of government at some point. So you would think, but you can see it in the polling, like the the relevance of the issue just kind of goes down and down, down with time as people, and it's the same thing with scandals. It's like the scandal never went away, but a few weeks later, you kind of see people move on. And I don't know, I, 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 I guess they could still turn up at the polls. It could still turn up, but at least in the polling, the passions over abortion have, as they go down, people angry about high prices just kind of swamps it because ultimately... Most people do vote based on how much their gas is, their right. gasoline is. It just, it's just a reality. It's a, and it's a good opportunity to talk to working people. But yeah. again, like ideologically, Democrats are at the end of their rope for ideas they can give to tackle things like, like economic inequality. Because right. like, again, they've hit the peak of like a globalized economy. And then anything else, because on the path to this like peak that they've reached, it created all of these people left behind in the economy. And to now look back at that, it kind of, it, like we've said before, it requires them to begin having a reckoning with like capitalism, which right. is just impossible. So for them, it's like, fuck, just don't fucking talk about it. Maybe we can just like, we can just kind of you know, stifle this, the voices that are saying something bad is happening in the economy because they like, why not just talk about inflation for what it is? Like you're getting gouged by companies. Right. 
but they but they can't because they're getting money from this. It's like what the relationship is all fucked up that it's even hard for them to speak honestly about it. But it would be very difficult for them to do that, especially for you know like the mainstream establishment Democrats. I mean, the Democrats were still investing like funding campaigns of very Trumpy, like hate speech spewing candidates, Trump approved candidates in six primaries during this election where they thought it gave them a better chance at winning. And it's probably going to work in at least five of the six and maybe all six, according to polling, although according to polling should probably be on all the tombstones after the second American Civil War, since it's good. <laughs> it's good for Trump to win the primary strategy in 2016 was probably right. one of the all-time biggest fuck-ups in the history of U.S. politics. But the fact that they still pursue that strategy of like, well, the extremists like don't appeal to as many people, it, it just, it's, it's cynical. It's how you play politics, I guess. But yeah. it also... It's Russian roulette. It's Russian roulette, and you're also contributing to a discourse that is normalizing like that sort of talking those sorts of ideas like what you're you're funding people who put those sorts of ideas you're you're paying for commercials where they like question the legitimacy of the election and right. you know like just wild shit that and like the long there's no it seems like there's no long-term vision in in that game like the republicans just keep drifting further and further out to sea and the democrats just like stay on shore and are like we're the only ones you got until it becomes clear that they're not going to do anything about economic inequality or you know the economic conditions that are making people's lives difficult at which point they lose and a party that has gone fully like white nationalist, misogynistic theocracy is now in power. And I think I think they probably had that as like a long term, like 20 year danger or something when they're right. when they're doing these things. But it's 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 not like it's it, we, there's just this cynicism. Like I remember listening to the. uh crooked media guys talking ahead of the Trump election being like, we got all these bedwetters out here who like think that Trump actually has a chance. And it's like this cynicism that like we got this We Our numbers are good. They like show yeah. us what's going to happen in the future. And it really is fucking us in by having that be the default position of like the only alternative to something that is quickly becoming like a just overtly fascist party. It's really it's really yeah. fucking dangerous and it's really frustrating. And the fact that they won't even talk about the economy because I mean, I th I think that has more to do with the fact that like the same thing that was driving Biden once he got into office to be like, I don't know, my hands are tied here, guys. Like I don't <laughs> right. because like he can't do anything because of how powerful the market is and these massive corporations are well yeah that's just how entrenched he is in yeah. that too yeah so it's kind of a catch-22 though because one thing i know and i got into arguments with people about this but whether or not you think trump is a fascist the one thing we did find out was that making your entire campaign calling him a fascist doesn't work right right among the people who would potentially vote for him or thinking about vo voting for him that just that bounces off them and all the talk about well, he's white nationalist, he's a misogynist, they, they're theocrats. All those all those are just buzzwords 
where so i my fear is that in the next election or the next or the next if you think well hey the our entire campaign has to be playing like our ads are just low lights of them saying horrible things and yeah. us saying see it's us or the monsters yeah that's just not a compelling message work. to people no it, it, it doesn't it, it, just gesture to the right and say this is what you want and again like with by even backing these people in the primaries you're normalizing in the sense like Democrat or Republicans now like, or you're, I don't know, you could be a Coke or a Pepsi person. They're pretty similar because they're normal. That's like the binary when really it's like, no, they're, 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 they're going to create a world that is even more insufferable than the one we fucking have now. But even now we have people who are saying, I'm the alternative. What can I offer you for a vision of the future? Not much, just that it's not this right now. And that again, like, it's just, that's, that doesn't really connect to people who might not be as engaged and are really asking questions. I'm like, what can I do to make my life better? How does how does represent how does representation in government affect me? And they're absolutely going to like miss that, like really fuck that fight up, because I just want to point out there's this guy, Bo Hines, who's running in North Carolina. He's like running in the 13th Congressional District of North Carolina. He said this like at a rally. Again, this is them talking about the economy. He's a Democrat or a Republican? Republican, Republican. Yeah. Uh, this guy's 27 years old, I think, or 28 or something like that. He said, quote, me and my wife. We can't afford to give up a month's salary. With 8.3% inflation, that is the equivalent of one month's salary for the average American. I know in my household, my wife and I can't afford to give up one month's salary. We have bills to pay. We have, we have bills to pay. We have a rent to pay. Now, he says, me and this, again, this is how fucking craven these people are. This guy, he said, me and my wife's salary, guess what? This guy has no fucking job because he lives off of a trust fund. <laughs> He has no income. You look at the filings for his, his for his campaign. He's taking money out of like the Heinz Children's Trust to finance this shit. And we have. <laughs> and so like right. this is a guy who wants, you know, QAnon to be his like fucking new dad, have no exceptions for abortions. And the Democrats think that staying silent while this fucking clown cosplays as someone with a job is the smart choice. And just be like, yeah, let him say that. Democrats, what about you? What's your what do you what's your take on inflation or the economy? Well, you know, I really want to talk about the lack of choice people are experiencing. Like that's you've you've that's not a compelling argument for someone who's actually on the fence with this shit. Jack, right. I know we did a podcast a thousand years ago. It cranked about the whole dichotomy of Trump being a billionaire who was born wealthy, but being able to, I guess, speak the language of the common working people yeah. because it's it's a class thing and class doesn't cross perfectly over into income. Like everything you just said there, again, this guy's supporters, they're not going to hear that because it's like, no, he gets me in the same way that Trump gets me. It's like, well, Trump has never lived like you for even one day. But for whatever reason, he's always been good at, you know, he's got working class taste. He eats McDonald's, you know, he does all the, and so you can it's see these lower, yeah. yeah, these lower level candidates doing the same thing. It's like suddenly they've got a pickup truck and they wear a Carhartt jacket. All right. those signifiers. It's on. like, well, this, yeah, you were you were born in Connecticut and went to a private school. You've never, <laughs> right. but, but it, it works. It works. And I don't want to act like these people are, are ignorant or whatever. I think they're just so happy to have someone who seems to care about them. It To me, it seems extremely transparent, but it feels, I, I don't want to do the elitist thing of what are these, these illiterate morons not uh, see how they're being played? Because I, I don't know. They're desperate. They want somebody who acts like they're standing up for them. No, and I, I, if you're if you're on a fixed income, you're some older person trying to get by in your Social Security check and a part time job. Man, that inflation is 
killer. Yeah. It and my critique killer. isn't of the people who would say, wow, this guy gets me. It's the fact that the Democrats are just as easily like you have just as many trust fund or millionaire people there who are like, I can't I don't know how to talk to working people at all. You yeah. know, like I just don't. And I think that's that's also like my confusion is to completely seed the ground to have a substantive like actually say things like if you're if you're really trying to connect to people like that you have to you have to speak to the lived experience of those people and not just like these sort of kind of like sort of these speculative like boogeymen that they cast in the in the future to avoid like really talking about how we can change things now it all seems like things that should be very easy to defend against if you're a smart campaigner or a smart politician, right? Like the claims, everything they claim about themselves, the conspiracy stuff, because that is part of the whole, ch the schools are grooming our children. You're looping in the QAnon people because yeah. that's, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it, you're, you're sending code words about the powerful trying to groom your innocent children into weird sex stuff. You would think in a better world, it would be very easy to counter that with straight talk about, you know, kitchen table issues, but you see it, it these elections are either very close or else, like, it, it's, I don't know, it, it feels like this shouldn't work, but uh, I will admit to anybody listening, to, who listens to this show, who hate listens because they want to do their own show about how terrible we are, <laughs> I will admit I'm out of touch because I don't see why it's not, the example you just gave this guy, I don't see why it's not you can't just knock him down with a single ad exposing his real background or his work, whatever. No, but no I know. Yeah, it, it feels like it should be easy to defeat, but it's not. Right. It's yeah. more just like the idea that you're like saying, well, tell like if I'm if I'm running, I'm asking leadership, why can't I talk about the economy? Right. Why can't I? Because it's actually like by avoid it's you avoid that discussion at your own peril. And I'm not saying that that's the key to even taking Bo Hines down or something like that. But just in general to avoid, like, again, like the, this, I mean, Joe Biden wrote in on this like vision of like the build back better thing. And people were like, Oh, interesting. You're saying new th different things about the world we're living in. Right. But now it's like, don't fucking talk about that. Just fucking avoid that. Even though that is probably compelling for a lot of people to hear. Are only upset about the economy because politicians are talking about it versus they went to go buy eggs at the store and the eggs cost three times much what they used to. Like, you don't need to talk about the economy for them to feel it. It's it's their everyday life. They, they're looking at the receipt right now. So yeah, that's, that's very strange. To, to think you can distract people from that, it's like kind of nothing else matters after that, but... Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think it just gives... It's just like you're you're also arming any person running against a Democrat with even more like just more ammunition to be like they don't even want to talk about it because they know how bad it is right. they know how bad it is they don't want to talk about it. they want to they want to subdue any like report that would suggest there's any kind of recession occurring or anything like that and it's just just talk about like the stuff that is okay and i don't yeah. know just like it, it is a disservice to people who are probably for the first time being like i'm completely underwater with bills that i have to pay things are ex just exponentially becoming more expensive and my paycheck can't keep up with that I need a solution to that. Like, can you say something that I can believe in that makes sense that you're going to adjust the scales or rebalance the scales? But again, this is like stuff that's so antithetical to how the mainstream Democratic Party speaks that it's just kind of like, Ugh. right. They don't yeah, I mean, have an this... answer that is not like, let the market decide and the market has gone, gone haywire and they're kind of at a loss for, for what to say.
in this case. So, all right, well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about the structure of the universe. Hi, it's Jack O'Brien. I've got to tell you guys about something new. I've been trying this year. I've been drinking Health Aid Kombucha. I'm on the booch, you guys. Uh, if you're not familiar, it's a fermented, bubbly probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice. It's super thirst quenching, a little sweet, a little tangy, very refreshing. Uh, comes in delish flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, Ginger Lemon is a personal fave. Uh, you guys know I'm a big soda fan. Well, what if I told you there was a fizzy drink alternative to soda that instead of uh, making you feel like you were drinking chemicals, uh, it was thirst quenching and made your tummy feel good. Since they sent me a box of Health Aid Kombucha, I've been drinking far fewer unhealthy soda pop and far more Health Aid Kombucha, and they make my tummy feel all warm and good. Cold in my mouth, warm in the tum-tum is not their slogan yet. Uh, you can have it, Health Aid. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. This episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop, powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, You'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. The future of customer experience is here, and it's faster and better than ever before. It's time to introduce your business or organization to Nice CX1, the world's most complete customer experience cloud platform. CX1 is the ultimate all-in-one solution to turbocharge your CX results so you can say goodbye to long wait times and frustrated customers. With CX1, you can achieve faster customer resolutions with every interaction, all thanks to the power of one complete cloud platform. It's now easier than ever for organizations of all sizes around the globe to create extraordinary customer experiences, all while hitting those key business metrics. Whether you're a startup or an established enterprise, Nice CX1 has everything you need to engage customers, deliver smart self-service, and optimize agent-assisted service. When you choose Nice, you get unlimited cloud scalability and flexibility. So visit nice.com today and take your customers and business into the future. That's nice.com. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. 
I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. And we're back, and Jason, your new book, as the title suggests, is about the multiverse, right? Uh, a multiverse, uh, di- different different universes. Yeah, there's an element of that in there. Yeah, uh, which I I'm not seeing that I was ahead of the curve on this. It does take like three years to get a novel from idea to the to the world. So the fact that there's like nine movies about multiverses in the last year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with you, with each decide. one of those where you're like, oh, <laughs> this fucking, God, it's in the title? Fuck. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah. already I have a, a book that if I describe I describe it, it's, it's, it comes off as like, oh, so it's like a book version of Rick and Morty. Right, <laughs> like these two, it's like this this guy, and he's kind of he's kind of crass, and 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 but also there's weird stuff coming from other universes, and that you're always like dissecting some sort of a, a sci-fi a trope in some horrible way, and yeah, it's very profane sense of humor. It's like okay, listen, I I started writing this in like 2000. This is right. the people who write Rick and Morty not even been born when I started writing. This. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there's always been like fun multiverse stuff in in your books. So I, that just made me want to like. I think a lot about the multiverse. Do you think of it as like a fun plot device to play with, or is it a actual like scientific theory you take seriously? What? How, how do you think about it? So I have read books about the many worlds interpretation of physics and by many by books i mean i have watched uh two tiktoks from hank green <laughs> yeah explain it of course about four or five minutes yeah. i will ha- oh, I have oh they're admit, long ones those are long ones wow okay <laughs> i i do not understand because the, the multiverse the way it's presented in hollywood where it's like sliding doors where it's human decisions that cause realities right. to split that is not that's not the theory that, that would be extremely be case, weird yeah. if the entire universe all the particles in the universe pivoted on humans human decision making and this one animal on this one planet that would be very strange it is a very complicated thing where every particle in the universe i guess in the, you start getting into wave functions i guess you have to know what a wave function is for this to make sense and that it collapses in like infinite ways so there's like every time a particle enters into a quantum state, it splits the universe again. So there's, when you say there's infinite universes, it's literally trillions upon trillions upon trillions of universes. And that there's no way to like travel from from one to the next. So the theory in my mind exists just as nonsense, kind of like trying to figure out how time travel would work, which is the answer is that it wouldn't. Right. But as a plot device, it's fantastic. Oh, for the same reason, for the same reason <laughs> that, that time oh, travel yeah. is because 
it is usually and the, the film that I, it, it, everything everywhere all at once what that film did so well that's what multiverse movies are about which is they're about regret and it's about wondering right. like what kind of life you could have lived and same thing with most time travel plots that's what it is you're going back and trying to change something and then in the course of it you learn something about yourself and this is why usually when in the movie they start explaining the science of the time travel or the science of the multiverse they usually skip over it because that's not the point there's right. the, these are stories about people and it works as a plot device because it's about well what would have happened if it turned out that the spider-men from the different franchises all existed actually in parallel universes and they all had slightly different methods and then they all met each other yeah, you get a movie that I could barely follow, and I did not find very interesting at all. But I'm glad other people enjoyed <laughs> you're that. Spider-Man. But you're talking about the uh, not not the animated Spider Verse one. You're talking about the latest. No, no, way the one with the uh, with yeah. uh, all the. Why can I not remember the names of any of the Spider Man actors? Tom Holland, Holland, <laughs> Tom, Tom Collins mix. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah. And you know Topher Grace, right from <laughs> that seventies show. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> make yeah, use a real name. Don't make up the Topher. Oh, not please. <laughs> Imagine an actor being named Topher. Nah, Tof. can't. Hey, he took the other part of Christopher. Man, that's like he's just like when you zig that that guy zags, and that's exactly. what's cool about him. <laughs> There's some uh, uh, ethnic background to that name that we're actually saying something incredibly insensitive. We apologize. We, it, <laughs> yeah, if Topher right. is actually, if it actually has yeah. important meaning in some in some uh, ethnicity, we meant no harm by that. But anyway, back to what I was saying. Uh, no, I love it as a plot device in terms of, you know, is it real? It is my understanding, according to what I just read on Wikipedia 30 minutes ago, that the many worlds interpretation is believed by a majority of physicists. They actually did a poll and something like 70%. Like, because I guess the alternate explanation of why particles behave the way they do is even weirder right. than the many worlds interpretation, where it's yeah. just like, no, it all exists simultaneously. And that's why when you try to observe them, there's a curious thing where it like collapses into a waveform of your reality, but it could just as easily have been another state. Uh, it's Every attempt to explain it, people will say, look, we're going to make it very, very simple. We're going to explain it like you're five. I apparently need it explained like I'm three. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because it, I just, it totally right. l- loses me. It's the same thing when a physicist on YouTube or somewhere is trying to explain how the universe is always expanding. And then you ask the obvious question, well, what is it expanding into? Right. And and they're like, well, no, well, nothing. It's they like, well, okay, I throw a smoke bob down and exit the room. <laughs> but like ineffectively, like when a physicist tries to use a smoke bomb to exit the room, it takes like three smoke bombs. <laughs> so it's a thing where I guess you, you're, if you try to use what you know about the world to understand it, you're immediately lost because it just doesn't line up with anything you understand about how physics works or anything. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like the when you get down to a quantum level, like particles start doing two different things at the same time. That 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 was it for me. I was like, all right, so <laughs> I don't know. My my brain when I was on too many drugs as a teenager, my brain actually was right about everything. It turns out, and that I would need to get back on that many drugs to uh, to understand or even like conceive of this, and that's that's not good for me so i'm not going to do that i'll leave it to the physicists and to jason pargen 
to, to write about it. Smart, well, I think smart. People do understand that, like, the, the times you see, like, Neil deGrasse, DeGrasse Tyson, like, his whole Twitter is just, like, complaining that movies, like, that, they're, that their yeah. science is wrong or whatever. Yeah. He's like, comic you book guy. Under- <laughs> yeah, you, you, you do understand that whenever you have a plot device like this, it's always just an excuse to tell a human story and that right. no writer actually cares about the, the science stuff. And even, even stories that seem like they're very based in research, like The Martian, there's probably a million reasons why that story could not actually have happened the way it's depicted. It's just, you know, it's ultimately is about you know, loneliness and isolation and having to overcome it and, and hope and, and all that stuff. But uh, people care about it. Stories, people like stories because they are about people, not because they are about physics. Mm. Right. I remember people were like, actually, that's not how you'd get water on Mars. I felt it was like the one science take when the Martian came out. <laughs> it's like that would actually that's not how you would actually do it on Mars. But <laughs> go off, Matt Damon. Go off. Then I only trust Matt Damon when it comes to crypto. I don't Thank no, you. Nowhere else. Just <laughs> fortune favors advice. the broke. Yeah. Or the bold. And just very, very briefly, I'm not going to go off on this. Listeners, if you hear about an investment opportunity in a commercial at the Super Bowl, <laughs> you're, you're not getting in on the ground floor. Right. This is the not people, enough. the people who are currently holding the bag are trying to get rid of it. And they're yeah. trying to lure in rubes to buy the asset that they know is about to go bad. See, if it was like a, a gold, like a gold mine already, they wouldn't tell you about it. Right. right. They would just collect the gold for themselves. The moment mm-hmm. they pay millions of dollars to try to get you into crypto, they were trying to get you to hold the bag. And then it, it, the price immediately collapsed after that. Yeah. That, yeah. that was on purpose. When the thing they're selling is nothing, be, be a little wary of that because that's, yeah. It, it doesn't add the, the whole I feel like at this point, so much of the market has broken down into Ponzi scheme. Like it's just all. Yeah. So, yeah. so be wary. Jason Pargin, as always, so fun having you on the Daily Zeitgeist. Uh, where can people find you, follow you, all that good stuff? Apparently TikTok. <laughs> my, my username there is Jason K. Pargin, P-A-R-G-I-N. Uh, the name of the book that I'm promoting all week, because this is the first crucial week for the new book, is I got a copy of it behind me. If this book exists, you're in the wrong universe. But if you have seen the John Dies at the End movie, that's the most likely thing. Or if you know me from the crack days and have read the books, it's one of those. They're not serialized. You can just read this one if not if you've not read any of the other ones, or if you've only seen the movie. You can start with this one. It would make much more sense for you to just get one of the older books from a used bookstore for like 99 cents rather than paying 30 bucks for this one. But (laughs) please do pay the 30 bucks for this one. And it will explain the multiverse and the true nature of the universe. So, you know, how can you resist? Better pattern. Yeah. Literally better than going to college. I would drop out of college and put your money into this buying Thank this you. novel. Oh, instead. I know some homies that would love. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> going to college instead of this? Tell me more. Yeah. And is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Yeah, there's a tweet. It's, it's a video. So maybe this doesn't convey as well here in the show, but is from Zach, I think, Zwiezen. But there was a clip where I guess during when they were promoting the film Nope, from uh, Jordan Peele, they did a thing where he went into, they did a cross promotion with a metaverse 
Yeah. And they did a recreation of the film inside the metaverse. And then he, with the gear on, had to pretend to be incredibly impressed with it. And it is just the worst, jankiest 1995 level like animation. Shit. It looks like and, absolute shit. And he's having to be like, wow. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, it's like, this is, this is like, we're living in my movie. Like, I'm like, well, we used to be just chatting on the porch here. That's I one of the actors. For the fans to be able Jordan to come too. see Haywood Ranch and to see this world and to experience it <laughs> like I intended them to experience it. It's completely immersed. <laughs> yeah. Jordan Shout Peele. out to Kiki Palmer. She got no legs on that motorcycle. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 they, no they, yeah, the characters do not have legs. I don't None know if you guys covered this. Oh yeah, the update. Right, they got legs now. I, no, it turned out that did not that fell through. That was like they, a mocap they, thing, right? They're still like, not capable of doing legs in the metaverse. Yeah, so it so is this, floating it around. Is, it is tragic. <laughs> the thing that was great about Nope is how like intricately imagined it was. How many like just cool things there were to see everywhere on the screen, and he's here having to sell like something that's just like a house that is in the general shape of of the house from Nope in a void with like one one tree like not even yeah. they didn't go out of their way to do a good job like if if a 80s like nintendo entertainment system game tried to recreate the world of nope they would have added more trees and details than it's it feels like they've done here it's just like a a beige void and jordan peele i need to remind myself is he might be my favorite comedic actor. Like before he was making movies, like watching Key and Peele, I was like that, like s some of the like subtlety of what he does. And like, he is the greatest actor. And even this challenge was, was too much for <laughs> yeah. him. He's you can't see like, it. yeah, man. Wow. Oh, so this is definitely how I envisioned the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the fact that Flatten, he said that was so just good. flat two dimensional world. Yes. I could add another hour to this podcast with my, I, okay, look, listeners, I understand that a lot of people work at Meta. I understand that they need those jobs. I'm not rooting for them to lose their jobs. I've been through that. I know what a layoff is like because of Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but right. it is for the fact that Mark Zuckerberg thinks that because he got in on the ground, he was the second one in the market after MySpace with the whole, you know, social media thing. It was slightly more usable and made a an all-time epic fortune off that. He now thinks that he has a second good idea, and he doesn't. Right, he does right. not. Yep. There, there is no one wants this. No one will ever want this. It doesn't improve anything. It is what we thought the future would look like back when we were too dumb to know what the future looked like. Like right. in 1983, right. yes. you know, Tron or whatever, this is what it, it's, it's such an antiquated, ridiculous idea. The thought that the kids coming up now on TikTok and Snapchat and all that, that this is what they want is this, this terribly rendered thing yeah. that their grandparents are using and with a big, stupid, sweaty helmet on their head. It's so stupid. And and I I'm not rooting for it to fail. Well, no, I am rooting for it to fail. How can I say this? I I hope that after it spectacularly fails that everyone lands on their feet except right. for Mark Zuckerberg. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I just I do love the confidence with which he's just sticking with this. He's seeding it in the mainstream media. He's getting like nope and but you know, like movies Spending that are coming out. Billions. And billions yeah. on this. 
But he, because he has the confidence of that first decision and he doesn't realize that every moment since he became a billionaire has taken him further and further away from having an instinct for what people, what real normal people are like. Oh, yeah. And so he's, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, it, you know, it's, it's like when a celebrity loses it and, you know, is starting to, <laughs> like create things that are like wait what like you have to kind of squint at it. it that that's what meta feels like to me he's just he's he's on his own planet as all billionaires are just let it go mark let it go sir yeah but then nope simulation looked pretty cool uh yeah, miles where can people find you what's a tweet you've been enjoying uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Uh, catch Jack and I lamenting or celebrating the ongoing <laughs> hey. NBA season on our basketball podcast, Miles and Jack got mad boosties. Also, uh, if you like 90 Day, check me out on 420 Day Fiance. That's another podcast. Some tweets I like. First one is from New York Times Pitchbot. I don't know if you heard about this Arizona Republican who was like running for the community college board seat who was like running on a Save Our Children campaign and the police arrested him for masturbating by a school. And he just said, I'm sorry, I, I fucked up. I'm under stress. And then like the secretary of state's like, we can't get this guy off the ballot. It's just kind of difficult. This is from New York Times pitch bot at Doug J. Balloon, just for reference. Whether it's Democrats using closed captions during interviews or Republicans masturbating in preschool parking lots, both sides have struggled with some troubling optics. Yep, 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 yep. fair, New York Times. Uh, and then uh, at Gnome the Barbarian tweeted, quote tweeted first uh, a tweet from Simply Shingy that said, Homer Simpson was a true baller because how did he afford three children, a detached suburban house, two cars, a stay-at-home wife, an extra change for his drinking problem with absolutely no side hustles? And Gnome the Barbarian tweeted, he had a union job and a house bought in the 80s with money given to him by his father, who was himself a veteran, who was able to receive GI Bill benefits. And he was supposed to represent the decline of living standards in the 80s. His was supposed to be a low class life. Yeah. It's food for thought. Definitely. Uh, a couple of tweets I've been enjoying. Taylor at Billy Idol tweeted one thing about me. I'm not going to read the room. I will, however, fill it with my presence. Your mom died. Mine didn't. I went to the beach yesterday. And then <laughs> Fafa Pazul tweeted, oh, America isn't exceptional. We put the first ever school teacher in a space shuttle and then blew her up over the ocean. Did your country do that? Oh, shit. Which was dark, but yeah, it's exceptional facts. Uh, yeah. Also, go check out the new podcast from former guest on this podcast, Cerise Castle, a tradition yeah. of violence about L.A. Sheriff's Department gangs just yeah. dropped its first two episodes yesterday just great eye-opening incredible work from cerise and team we're really proud of it you can find us on twitter at daily zeitgeist we're at the daily zeitgeist on instagram we have a facebook fan page and a website dailyzeitgeist.com where we post our episodes and our footnotes where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode as well as a song that we think you might enjoy miles what song do we think people might enjoy this is a group called charlotte adigeri and bolus pupil p-u-p-u-l uh and they are like a electronic duo from ghent belgium and like their lyrics like talk about like post-colonialism and all kind of like really interesting lyrics for how like kind of dancey and just sort of uh, light feeling the music is 
This track is called Making Sense Stop. And it's just like a fun track. Their music's really cool because it's like the lyrics actually have a little bit of substance to them. And they're, you know, just kind of easy listens, but fun too. So this is Charlotte Adigiri and and Ballis Pupil with Making Sense Stop. It's like if Rage Against the Machine had like fun dancey pop music instead of... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but And you're like, wait, hold on. What'd they just say? Rolling down Rodeo with a shotgun. Uh, all right. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do yep. it for us this morning, back this afternoon, to tell you what is trending. And we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Turbocharge your customer experience results with Nice CX-1. Now you can rapidly scale extraordinary CX with the power of the cloud. Nice CX-1 is the most complete customer experience cloud platform and is trusted by thousands of organizations around the globe. With CX-1, you can deliver frictionless self-service as well as top-notch digital and agent-assisted interactions. Get cloud-powered CX at scale. Learn more at nice.com. That's nice.com. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 